1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Farah Siddiqui here once again with Zach Rizzuto. Hope you guys were able to listen to our episode that came out on this past Wednesday. Uh, we were talking about a bunch of guys that we disagreed on, a bunch of guys that we were torn on. Uh, but this episode, we are going to talk about you guys and all the questions that you guys had. Uh, we try to, you know, choose as many as we could uh, to try to answer in this podcast. So these are questions that a lot of fantasy managers are going to have, you know, going into this season, going into the draft process. So I'm sure uh these type of questions are gonna help a lot of people. Uh but let's get started. Zach, what's up, dude?
0: No, not much. I think we're ready to get started. Rapid recap. We got some news on Deshaun Watson, which is pretty interesting. We're gonna figure out what that means. Um according to a tweet by Tony Rizzo of ESPN, reliable sources have indicated that as things stand right now Deshaun Watson is looking at just a four to six week suspension in 2022. So if Deshaun Watson only misses that many games in 2022, where do you see his value settling? I mean, if if his
1: official suspension ends up being only four to six games, I think, you know, his ADP would be worth, you know, being around the ninth or 10th round. Right, like I, I, hate having quarterbacks sit around on my bench for that long in one quarterback leagues. I obviously in two quarterback leagues, you know, things change drastically. You, I would love to have Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, on my team even if he's on my bench. Um, but you know, there's a chance that you know you draft a guy like, and we're going back to one QB here, but like if you, there's a chance you draft a guy like Trey Lance around there. Right, and he ends up outperforming Watson. Right, uh, you know you didn't have to waste a bench spot. There's a chance he doesn't do that much better than guys like Russell Wilson or even Matthew Stafford. You know who's probably going to end up going after Deshaun Watson if this you know news holds true that he's only suspended for four to six games. So, you know he's an elite quarterback, but I, I'd rather just draft a quarterback who I know I can start every week around that price. Instead of having to hold on to him, right? If he's going to if he's going to later than that, sure, I get it. You can you can pair him with another you know late round quarterback to, to hold yourself down. Uh, but if I had to guess, like, I don't think he's going to be on a lot of my teams uh, unless he's going pretty late, like you know 12th, 13th round, something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would definitely change how I feel about guys like Amari Cooper and Nick Chubb, like right, like like those guys move up especially omari omari right now you know he dropped a ton right he's going off the board as the wide receiver 31 in the sixth round um so he'd have to move up to like the three maybe the three four turn or so something like that uh around like the wide receiver 18 ish at least you know um how are you feeling about Deshaun? if he was a four if he was truly out you know officially and
0: they announced it four to six weeks how would you handle that situation so if he only misses four to six weeks, I'm, I'm in your boat. I think a lot of other players would gain a lot more value, I think more than him, because he's going to be missing those games anyway. I agree. I think that Deshaun Watson is best utilized in a 2QB, if you play 2QB or Superflex, as just a you know upside shot. You could take him later, even if he is suspended, even if his ADP does move up, you'll be able to take a shot on him and get some value out of him once he does start. I think he's going to be closer to what he was the last time we saw him on the field I don't think there's much to worry about with him as far as talent goes with Amari Cooper I agree that he moves up but I think that if he comes back Deshaun Sean Watson plays this season that actually unlocks like David Njoku as a reasonable mm-hmm. tight end I think his ADP is going to skyrocket a little bit because um, you know his QB situation right now is Jacoby Brissett, and he's a great talent he just got signed to a big deal they obviously want to use him in the passing game so I think He would be one of my biggest winners, even I'd say after Amari Cooper. But David Njoku is a guy Mm -hmm. I'd be looking out for. And then even guys like Diamond Peoples-Jones, as a wide receiver too, kind of playing a Jarvis Landry role to um, Amari Cooper's Odell Beckham, if that makes sense. That was a little while ago. I mean, obviously, both of those receivers are now off the team. But if you want to look for reviving that kind of duo in the passing game, I think those are the guys to do it. So even if, if Deshaun Watson comes back, I think that other players stand to benefit more, but Deshaun Watson himself will still be a good pick, but I I wouldn't roll with him as my QB one just yet, because I wouldn't want to weather a storm, that could be four to six weeks, and we don't know, it could be longer, this is just a report, but I'm with you, I think that other players will benefit a lot from him only getting four to six weeks, which is a lot less than what I was anticipating in reality.
1: No, for sure. I think I think it's a great point with, with David Njoku, um, who's going to get potentially a full rap participation for the first time in a long time. Right. I don't think he's ever had it his entire career. This will be the first time and he got the deal. So, you know, I think they have confidence in him and I'm hoping that he does get that that opportunity. And if Deshaun Watson's Watson's there, it, listen, he could be that number two, number two, pretty much like wide receiver behind Amari Cooper. So so I do like that. Um, all right, yeah, awesome. So uh, if that was it for the rapid recap, let's get right into it, man. Bunch of you guys, uh thank you for 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 um, a- answering that story that I had on Instagram, asking you guys to, to to put up some questions for us. Um And Zach was able to kind of pluck some out that he thinks that could help a lot of people. So 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 uh, without further
0: ado, let's, let's go for it, Zach. Right. So our first question comes from Duke Silver twenty five, who is asking. Who would you rather have in full PPR format, Brees Hall or Travis Etienne? So for me, like, I I think this is,
1: like, really close. Um, I I literally have them back-to-back in my rankings at RB16 and RB17. So we got Travis Etienne uh, going off the board also as the RB16 on underdog. And Brees Hall, he's going off the board as the RB19, about 10 spots uh, apart. Um, So Etienne's around the 2-3 turn, and Hall a little later – around the mid-fourth, right? So, you know, if you're talking about, like, who might be the better value, may, you know, maybe at this point you, you might want to say, like, okay, maybe Brees Hall is the better value. But it all depends, like, where you're picking, right? You, the most likely you're not going to be able to get both of these guys. Ten picks apart, you know, you, you're eight, like, someone has to fall, right, in order for you to grab them. Or you have to reach on one of them, right? Um, but, like, why don't we, why don't we, so Etienne's price, if you look at it, it moved up a lot over the past 2 months or so. His ADP was close to the 5th round in the middle of May. Uh and I guess it took guys like me to like pump up his ADP. <laughs> but like it went up two full rounds. I loved him at that price and and this price like at the 2-3 turn. Like I'm not sure if he has that risk baked into the ADP, ADP anymore, right? Um but I, but how about this? I think this will help people. Why don't we go through you know, what factors we should be looking at when comparing, you know, two running backs this close, all right? So, both offenses are likely to suck, potentially, right? But which one is going to suck less, right? My assumption is that the Jets' offense will be better than Jacksonville's, right? So, plus one for Brees Hall there, right? Who's a better pass catcher? Both are good, but Travis Etienne has a chance to be elite, In that department. And no one has a chance of being on the field catching passes over him on the Jaguars, you know, out of the backfield, right? He legit has a shot at like 65 catches this year, you know, potentially 80, you know, or more on a team that doesn't have any like must target wide receivers, right? There's no alpha wide receiver there, who's gonna be getting like 150 160 targets, right? Now, I don't think Brees Hall has a shot at 65 catches, even though he's capable uh, but on top of that, yeah, Michael Carter. You know, he's going to be involved in some capacity in the receiving game too, right? So, right there, plus one for Travis Etienne, right? And then you look at talent. Who's the better talent? Uh, in terms of, you know, who the better prospect is, it's pretty close. Like, Etienne, I think, edges out Hall a little bit, you know, especially in the receiving game. But he's also a very underrated runner as well. But then you look at Hall's athletic profile. Right. And his production profile, it's up there too, like historically, you know, over the last 10 years, 15 years. So, you know, I think we have to call this one a wash. <laughs> you know, I, although, you know, I lean Etn here just a bit, given how efficient he was in college. Like, if you had to, if you had to, like, you know, pick one guy, like to say, like, who were the, who was the better prospect, you know, who has the, the higher upside going into the NFL, who would you pick between these two guys?
0: I personally would give the edge to Brees Hall. And it's only by a hair, but I'll tell you why. I think the quality competition for Hall is lesser on the Jets offense than the competition for ETN in Jacksonville. And I like Hall's price just a little bit more than ETN. The Jets offense should be world's better in 2022. And I don't look at Michael Carter as a significant obstacle for Brees Hall to overcome in his rookie year. In Jacksonville, it's a bit of a different story with James Robinson as ETN's running mate. And we know what he can be when he's used properly. And when I say properly, I mean not Urban Meyer usage. This is essentially ETN's rookie (laughs) season anyway, so we also don't know what to expect as far as a split goes and touches in the backfield, which makes me feel even better about taking Hall over ETN at this point because once Robinson comes back, we don't know what's going to happen there. And as I mentioned before, the draft prices, they're close. But relative to the mid-fourth round price tag of Brees Hall, ETN's ADP just feels a bit too rich for me with plenty of other quality talent going in that range, like James Conner, even Cortland Sutton. So I I I give the edge to Brees true.
1: It's true, and around that Breeze Hall range, like the, the like the competition in terms of like who like the guys that I really want to draft, you know there there aren't as many guys there as there is at the two three turn. Like the two three turns rich, right? Um, and then you have like Etn. He's also coming off that foot injury, right? And he looks like he's good to go. You know, he says that it's completely behind him, um, but there is a little bit of risk to those list Frank injuries, right? Um, so you got to give the edge uh, of like health to Breeze Hall, right? Because, yeah. like, you know, he's coming in the league pretty healthy, right? Uh, so, you know, if you if look at all these factors, like, <laughs> they're still kind of even, right? Um, uh, w- what about the goal line work, right? Like, definitely Brees Hall on the Jets, right? Like, he's going to get all the goal line work. Who's it right. going to be in the Jaguars, right? Like, will James Robinson assume that role when he's back? You know, ETN is getting that work right now in OTAs. So, if ETN gets goal line work and he has the upside of 65 catches, like, he would be the pick for me. Right, but it's hard to say right now, like you said, like it's hard to tell. Um, right now, there is a little bit of a tiebreaker, right? Like, if you're in a full PPR league, right? Like, Travis yeah. Etienne might be the safer pick here. Like, if this is a non PPR or half point PPR, I would probably go Brees Hall, right? Um, so it's, I think, it feel like that's a nice little tiebreaker there. Like, you know, the latter, like, when you talk about like half point or non PPR, um, that places, a, that places more of an emphasis on, like, yards and touchdowns. Uh, and then, you know, PPR leagues, full PPR leagues, places a little bit more emphasis on involvement in the receiving game and, and, and literally what your volume is in the receiving games, right? So it's really close for me. So, but yeah, no, I think, you know, both of these guys will be good this year. Uh, but Travis Etienne's ADP, dude, like, it really skyrocketed. And Brees Hall has similar ability to potentially win you your, win you your league as well uh, in that fourth round. Right. So Travis right. Etienne needs to do a lot in order for him to come through and, you know, and, and return on that
0: price that you're paying. Yeah. And I think you look at the other thing that makes it also more difficult is both of these offenses are very similar because they both have second year quarterbacks. And Brees Hall is in his rookie year. Travis Etienne, like I said, is essentially in his rookie year. So we don't know what their workloads are going to be. And they're not super loaded on offense in either team. So it really makes it, difficult (laughs) and that's why i think that calling this a wash i mean it's a fair answer but to give an answer i mean i i I would go with Brees hall and i i think that you have a good point that ppr i might lean towards etn even at the price because the upside if he get he does get the goal line work like you said he can absolutely be a steal even at his inflated price right now over the past month
1: you know it's crazy because underdog is a half point ppr um uh platform but he's still going at the two, three turn, right? You know, Uh, if there's a full PPR, like what is it going to be? Right. Like (laughs) I'm I'm curious to see like where where his price would actually like his ADP would actually settle at, which is kind of crazy to think about, you know? Right. Uh, by the way, did you mention who asked this question? I might've missed that.
0: Yeah, I did. Right. At the beginning, this was Duke silver 25. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Duke silver.
1: All right. What
0: we got next. All right. So our next question comes from Kai underscore Imes. And he's asking for redraft. What is, in your opinion, the best spot to draft from, particularly for this year? So I
1: like the middle of the first right now, um, or like a little towards the end of the first. So, so like, I'm cool with those two spots. Like somewhere between like six and nine ish, you know, even like ten is fine. But that's kind of the sweet spot for me. Like when I draft from the middle of the first. I have a shot at some elite talent, right? Whether it's like Austin Eckler or Dalvin Cook or Najee Harris, right? I can also, you know, likely take my pick from the top three wide receivers there too, right? So you have a lot of flexibility, yeah. first of all, right? <laughs> so some people don't want flexibility. Some people just like want to be pigeonholed into a pick so they don't have to think too much. And <laughs> I yeah. get it. Um, <laughs> but but also when you move into the middle of the second, right? If you have a shot to grab Aaron Jones, right? You have a shot to grab Saquon, right? Uh, if you picked a little later, and you're earlier on the turn, you have a shot at, a shot at guys like DeAndre Swift, CD Lamb, right? Um, and then when you move into the third, you have a shot on guys like Michael Pittman, right? James Conner mm-hmm. at that 2-3 turn, Kamara, Kamara even, because he, he's dropping because of that potential suspension. Uh, and then, you know, if you want to grab a guy like Travis Etienne, right? Ho- hopefully you can get him if he falls a little bit. But, you know, and then you have a shot of Sutton falling to you in, in, in the fourth. Right. Uh, if you ever right. pl- yeah. so, if you have a pick closer to like if you have a pick closer to like ninth overall, right, you're going to be close to that 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 early four, uh, early fourth round pick, and you have a chance to have Sutton there too. So like, I found that the players that I want uh, end up falling in my lap, you know, and that happens more when I'm picking between like six and nine. You know, um, and and just keep in mind, like, the closer you pick to the one two turn, like, the closer you pick to the end of the first round, the higher chances you have at having, like, two elite fantasy players, right? It's pretty simple, right? Just got to hit on that third and fourth round pick, and, and and usually you're Gucci. Um, one other point I want to make too is that when you're picking, like, closer to, like, the middle, you know, ish of, of the round, you can really use tiers to your advantage also, because, um, You know, if there are certain guys that you're like, all right, well, the chances that, you know, I have a bunch of running backs here that are in the same tier for me. So, and this one wide receiver is sticking out, you know, out of the rest of these wide receivers on the board. I'm going to go ahead and take that wide receiver because there's a decent chance that one of those running backs or or whatever position that you're looking at can potentially fall to you, right? But if you're picking at the turn, you kind of have to, like, reach a little bit. Right, and and you're gonna have to like just to get your guys. There's nothing wrong with that, but you have to hit, right? I think you have a little bit more flexibility when you're picking in the middle because you have a higher chance of guys who are gonna pan out drop to you rather than you having to hand select your guys at the turn. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, for me, did, did you have a preference also? Yeah, so I I, I like the late round. I think that between. 8 and 11 if you're in a 12-team league, that kind of thing. That's where I'd like to be because, personally, there's never been a more perfect time than now to throw out the conventional wisdom and take zero RB in, in your draft this season. I'm looking at the field of running backs and actually finding a lot that I like outside the first three rounds. It, guys like Ezekiel Elliott, yeah. you know, Cam Akers, Breeze Hall, David Montgomery, and like even Elijah Mitchell is price. I don't really mind depending on how the beginning of my draft goes. But I think if you can batten cool, down the hatches price- on your team— Sorry, go ahead.
1: I think you're right about that, though. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Elijah Mitchell, though, like you know, I, and a lot of people have been talking about this, like with me too. It's like I've been out on Elijah Mitchell, right? But like his right, price yeah. keeps dropping and dropping and dropping. And at that point, it's like, dude, like why not? Like 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 draft him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every, add to your running back depth.
0: Yeah, every player can be a value at the right price. So if he's there, I mean, I'm I'm not avoiding him, and I think if you can really just take two no. bulletproof receivers, like I'm looking at, like maybe you'll have your pick. Maybe you, if there's one of the elite re- receivers, the top three consensus, which is Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase, if you could get one of them with your first round pick late, turn around, take CD Lamb, and then go after these guys like Cam Akers mm-hmm. and Brees Hall, two guys with good upside that are actually going a third and fourth round, mm-hmm. I think that you'd be in a really good spot. I don't think you could really go wrong with that. And I'm usually a guy that's RB first, RB heavy, you know, rely on the running back. And just make your money there. But I'm just looking at the running backs that are available and the price that, they, that you can get most of them at. I don't think it's ever been this deep or you've had this many options or at least quality options that I think in recent years. Like this is a deep RB class, even though not much has changed. Just guys are floating down lower than they should be, I think, like as you go, like James Conner, like Cam Akers, I think. Cam Akers, I, I'm, like I said, I flipped the script on him. I was not a big fan of him going in the offseason, and now I am. And I guess I have a post coming out on him soon, so you'll hear more about that later. But I think that picking late in the first round is really my ideal spot.
1: I I think that guys like Cam Akers, I think guys like uh, Brees Hall, I have a feeling their prices are going to, as the summer goes along, I I feel like their prices are going to start moving up. Because right. people are going to start war- start warming up to those guys. Unfortunately, yeah. Like <laughs> that's why. Like if you're if you're a sh- if you're a sharp, if you listen to this podcast, right, I would advocate to draft now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you can take <laughs> advantage like these guys. of these prices. Listen, at the end of the day, like I, I understand the argument about like, oh, what 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 if an injury happens? Right, the chances that an injury happens to the player that you drafted is pretty low. When it happens, it sucks, right? When, the, when those preseason injuries happen, it sucks. But the chances that, you know, you're going gonna to hit on, like, some serious values in drafts at this time, middle of July opposed to, like, end of end of August, it's night and day, the type of values that you're able to get. You know, I, I sometimes, like, I'm stuck on a player in July who's going in, like, the seventh round. And then, you know, all of a sudden I find myself drafting him in the fourth and <laughs> at the end of <laughs> right. August because I was so stuck on that player and I didn't want to lose out on that player, you know? And it's like, it's terrible strategy. <laughs> it's so bad. But You, you know, kind of circle like, back you know, it, it, to it what you said,
0: what you've put out. Like you circle back to what you said about drafting other people's handcuffs. If you're drafting now, your handcuff, the guy you drafted as a handcuff, could become the RB1 in the blink of an eye if you draft now. And I'm not saying that yes. we advocate for drafting now, but like you're saying, those guys that you draft as handcuffs can – Turnaround value really quick, depending on how people stay healthy, how players, you know, perform even in camp, that kind of thing. So I think that's also something to keep in mind if you draft now. Very
1: true. Very true. All right. What's the next question?
0: All right. So our next question comes from Tanner K32. And he's asking, Dalvin Cook or Najee Harris this year? He thinks that's who he can get at pick five for PPR.
1: Okay. So we already went over, like, the criteria of what we're looking for in a running back earlier, right, with Etienne and and Brees Hall. Uh, But in this scenario, like, these two have very, very similar roles on their offenses, right? Like, both are pretty much every down backs. Both are very involved in the receiving game. And both will get goal line work, right? Now, I think one definitely represents less risk, uh, but also less upside right so right. i think Dalvin cook's repeated shoulder injuries uh has me a little worried um he says he feels the best he's ever felt in regards to that shoulder but like who knows right it's been an issue right uh right. still me personally i'm going cook here and i actually have Najee ranked a couple spots above cook in my last uh running back rankings that i put out but i'm flipping him. i'm flipping them oh. uh Dalvin cook you know, for me, he's a game breaker, right? He's explosive. Now, admittedly, his efficiency fell off last year in terms of both uh, yards after contact in the run game uh, and yards per route run in the receiving game. Um, But, you know, he's not near that carry or age threshold just yet for me to start getting worried, you know, so I'm more likely to give him the benefit of the doubt in, in regards to his injuries last year and like that affecting his efficiency. But, He's a great pass catcher, right? He does more after the catch than Najee can, you know, and his breakaway ability is one of the best in the league. That was one th- piece last year that he maintained, his breakaway ability. Um, and, and with, you know, Kevin O'Connell coming in from the Rams, I like Cook even more, you know, because this is going to be an offense based more on the pass game, which I actually like for a running back like Cook because a, more work in the receiving game, right, is what I actually want for my running backs. I don't want 50 more carries. You know, I'd rather have, like, 30 more targets, potentially, right? Right. Remember, like, we, we're, we're going to probably talk about this every single episode. Remember, you know, a target is worth almost three times a carry uh, in yes. PPR leagues, right, and a little a little less than two times a carry in half PPR leagues. So, uh, and, then, and then B, more 11 personnel right meaning defenses will play nickel as their base defense against them meaning like no stacked boxes right uh minnesota had one of the the league's lowest rates of three wide receiver sets year after year with mike zimmer as head coach so things are going to drastically change there um you know and then when you consider the better offense like who is better offense like it's dalvin cook right like i'm expecting more touchdowns on his end i think a positive regression is due on his side. He had a ton of goal line carries last year. Didn't get a lot of touchdowns on those goal line carries. So I think that, that, that reverses a little bit. Um, now, if you want to go the safe route, right, with a running back who has a better shot of holding up, <laughs> throughout the entire right. season, you know. Although predict predicting some, all, you know, I think predicting someone to not get hurt is almost as bad as predicting someone who will get hurt because they're injury prone, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. um But I do think naji is safer though. I think naji is going to get a ton of work. You know, the offense will likely be based around him. Three hundred fifty plus touches incoming for Najee, pretty easily. We, we, yeah. we, wouldn't you say? Like that's the name of the game, right there. Like he's going to come through. So. If you want a safe RB one, I think it's Najee. If you want the upside of someone who has a chance of being overall RB one this year, winning your league because of him, I think it's Cook. So it depends on your style. Right? Yeah, it depends definitely. on how you want to play it, how you wanna play it, how safe you want to be. That's really what it comes down to. So I'm going cook today <laughs> on this Thursday because mm-hmm. I'm feeling a little spicy. You know. But if I'm feeling safe, if I'm feeling a little sheltered that day and I want to, you know, go safe and then maybe go high upside with my next couple of picks instead, you know, maybe I'll go Najee. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I know. I, I have a feeling. I know. I have a feeling. I know who, who you're going to pick, but go for it. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> I, I, I kind of stray away. I know you say, I, I know we said about this last episode too. It's like you say, play to win. Don't play to not lose. But I think it ultimately depends on who's on the board at that time. Like Dalvin Cook could be gone. Other players could still be there. Christian McCaffrey might still be there. Who knows? Because people seem to be fading him. But Ultimately, I think I would go Najee Harris, because I've been hyping him up the whole off season. I've been on him the whole off season. I don't really <laughs> want to change that. I, I agree with everything that you said about Dalvin Cook. I think that's those are all good points, and I think that he could be the overall everyone. But I like Najee Harris, even if he doesn't get the 94 targets that he got last year. I think he still hits 70 targets. He's going to hit that threshold pretty easily. Dalvin Cook isn't very far behind Najee Harris on my board, but... Naja Harris is younger. He's fresher. I think he's in a better situation because he's in line for more work. He's going to be the first weapon, the best weapon in the Steelers' offense. Where Dalvin Cook, yes, he's great, but so is Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen has proven he gets touchdowns. Irv Smith is going to be coming back, and we don't know how good he's going to be. I mean, he'll be playing with a chip on his shoulder, obviously, because he missed time. But I think he'll be a good contributor for them. And Kirk Cousins is good. he'll He'll be able to get the ball distributed very nicely obviously they're trying to shift towards the passing game a little bit more I do think that Cook is in I'm I mean I like Cook even more than I liked him even before that report came out now because that he's going to get that work in the passing game but ultimately I think Najee Harris and I'm I'm a guy you know I'm the guy I'm picking them for the floor I mean I like the upside that Dalvin Cook has but it just kind of worries me that he hasn't been able to finish your whole season without missing at least a game or two recently. So I'm going to go with Najee on this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, I had Najee at, at four, at running back four, and I think I had Dalvin Cook at five, I think. Um. So I might end up flipping those. Um. We'll see. I, I have my consensus. I have my not right. consensus, my big board coming out on Friday. So so we'll see what, what it ends up being. I haven't 100% decided yet. Um. All right, let's go to the next one.
0: All right, so underscore Noah Klein underscore asks, how do you value Javante Williams versus DeAndre Swift and then both of them versus CeeDee Lamb?
1: Okay, so between Javante and Swift, it's relatively easy for me. Like I go Swift there. Um, I, I think he has the right combination of safety and upside. Uh, not, not like really like talking about injury here, but more talking about his role. Uh, but he, he's going to be very involved in the receiving game. He was on pace to hit 90 catches before he got hurt last year. Uh, both guys are going to be in some sort of timeshare. And while I do expect Javante to carry more of the load this year than he did last year, I think, you know, he has a better running back complimenting him than Swift does, right? In like Jamal Williams or, or whoever else compliments him. But, you know, there's also a chance that Swift doesn't get all the goal line work. Right, Jamal Williams is there for some of that. Most of that, like that, is a little bit of a question mark. Right, um, the the receiving upside of Swift is too high for me, though. Right, to ignore. Right, if Melvin Gordon never re signed with Denver and we knew that Jamal, you know, uh, I'm sorry that, that Javante was going to get all the work. Like Javante would be in my top five ahead of Swift. Right, but like, that's not right. happening now. Um, I'm taking CD Lamb. Over Javante, pretty easily as well. Like, he's the number one wide receiver for a pass first offense. His target share, you know, will easily be over 25%. It could potentially, I wouldn't be surprised if it hit that like super elite or if it got near that super elite 30% mark, right? Right. I think Devontae Adams last year was like close to 32%. There was a couple guys like close to 30%. I I wouldn't be surprised if CeeDee Lamb hits that this year Um, because the next best targets there are Dalton Schultz jalen tolbert and james washington right and michael gallup might not be ready to start the year and also might not be himself for a while right so All right cd lamb you know he has the chance to lead the nfl in targets this year you know so this is why you know so this is why he should be more compared to swift than he should be cared mm-hmm. compared to javante williams right so i have swift and lamb like up in a tier up here and then like javante like in a tier below basically so um now between swift and lamb right i think cd lamb is the safer pick between the two he also offers right. league winning upside as well just like swift does swift offers league winning upside as well uh but you know the facts are the facts swift hasn't been able to stay healthy super healthy over his first two years so even though i have swift higher like in my last iteration of my overall big board right i think i'll be moving cd up over smith over, over
0: swift that's, <laughs> that's interesting that's I pretty spicy so you're up. feeling spicy today
1: yeah I think so I think so but the thing is like when you have a guy who is potentially like gonna lead the league in targets and on top of that you know he has the upside to potentially like you know be a top you know three four wide receiver in fantasy it's hard for me to you know not have him you know higher than a guy who presents a little bit of risk right who might not get goal line carries right so that, that's, kind of, that's kind of my thought process there. You know, even though, you know, he can, you know, DeAndre Swift can easily end up being a top five fantasy running back, right? Right. So, now, I think if Swift did command goal line looks like, I think he'd be my pick. But his rushing efficiency also, when you look at it last year, was so bad last year that I think there's a good chance that he is complemented in the run game a decent amount. So, right. yeah. I think I'm going Lamb, And I think he's going to be my pick in any format, half PPR, non-PPR.
0: And full PPR. That's interesting. What say you, Zach? All right. So I think I have the same (laughs) overall rankings for these three players that you have. I think DeAndre Swift and CeeDee Lamb are in their own little tier above Javante Williams. I'm not really thinking much about Javante Williams since they re-signed Melvin Gordon. Not that he won't get the carries that I was kind of hoping him to. I think he's going to get a little bit more of the workload than we saw last year, but it's not going to be enough to put him in the realm. Of DeAndre Swift or CeeDee Lamb because of DeAndre Swift's upside. And the Lions O line is still quietly one of the best in the NFL. People don't really talk about it because, you know, the Lions were a pretty bad team last year. And there's still a general lack of playmakers in the receiving game behind Amandre St. Brown. So DeAndre Swift is going to get plenty of targets. He's going to be reaching that same threshold they hit last year. He's going to get, I don't think he'll have trouble replicating what he did last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually exceeded it. I do think DeAndre Swift for me personally is higher than lamb in the overall rankings just because of that scarcity at running back i think that he provides us a little bit more value as a fantasy asset overall but i do think Ceedee lamb is right he i think he's going to score more points ultimately so but you look at that makes sense the choices that you have after deandre swift i mean i like james connor after him i like cam acres but after like there's only so many running backs after him that'd be happy taking you you'd have a Really good advantage, I think, taking Swift, especially if you get get him mid to late second. Although I don't anticipate that being possible, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, but I think that we have. Yeah, I've seen him drop here and there. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I've
1: seen him there, like here and there, like in the second round, like dropping a little bit, like 15 to 16 ish. Right. Um, but it's not usually you got to pick him right at the turn. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. All right. Sounds good. That was a
0: good one. Let's go to the next one. Uh, we got the last question here on our list. It comes from David Adaroyan, and he's asking, should I stay away from the whole Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle situation in Miami?
1: Well, Tyreek Hill right now, he's going at the end of the second round, right? And I think I'm staying away from him at that price. You know, there are too many unknowns here for me. There's no guarantee that he gets a line share of the targets. Jalen Waddle had a damn good rookie season right? And he's going to command yeah. targets also. Very good rookie team. So, yeah, and, you know, he built that rapport with two in a big way too, right? So, like, you know, he's going to be running a lot more of those short to intermediate routes. So I think at cost, I think I'd rather have Waddle, you know, who's going at the very top of the fourth round as the wide receiver 18. I kind of have him around there in my ranks as well. So, you know, I don't think it's a situation to necessarily, like, stay away from. Like, I think I'm cool with grabbing a guy like Waddle later. Um, but, you know, one thing to think about is, you know, will this be a more run-first offense like they were in San Francisco, you know, with Mike McDaniel over there, him coming over, you know, with him being their run game coordinator, you know, with that outside zone run scheme. Like, San Francisco, you know, has some good playmakers in the receiving game, right? They had Debo, they had Brandon Ayuk, they had George Kittle, right? But, like, they were still, like, run heavy, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Like, they didn't even have any, like, superstars in the backfield that they had to get the ball to, right? It was just Elijah Mitchell. So, and mm-hmm. he, he was good, but he's not no Saquon. He, you know, he's not no, like, Nick Chubb back there, right? Like, right. M- Miami was one of the most pass-happy offenses in the NFL last year for some reason. Um, you know, but that was with an entirely different coaching staff, and Waddle was able to capitalize off of that with 140 targets. So, what happens now with Tyreek there? maybe less pass-happy, most likely most pass-heavy because they were extremely pass-heavy last year in every situation, winning, losing, neutral game scripts. It didn't matter. They were passing the ball. So, you know, something to think about there. I think one thing is for sure, like I'm not dying to have either of these guys on my roster this year, Um, not necessarily targeting either of them in redraft leagues. Um, You know, but if they fall and become more of a value, like I would consider it, right? Tyreek Hill, you know, he's an amazing player, right? So like there's only so much that he can fall to in terms of like fantasy relevance. So like right. you know, if he falls more, he's like middle of the third round, towards the end of the third round for whatever reason, people are scared of that situation. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hop on that most likely. You know, same thing with Waddle. If he falls into the fifth, you're like, all right, this is a little ridiculous, right? So like and then you kind yeah. of hop on it that way. But am I reaching for those guys? I don't think so
0: yeah that's funny because what you just said is like exactly my notes on these two players and I said (laughs) should you stay away from the whole Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle situation the easy answer is no the short answer is no because it's Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle they're both very good receivers and like I say every player can be a value at this right price the problem is they're both being taken where I don't want to target them and like you said with the workload they're are they going to be as pass heavy with Mike McDaniel coming in as head coach? There's a whole different coaching change that's going on. We don't know what the offense is going to look like, but the thing that kind of has me intrigued is whether Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle will get a chance to operate in like a Debo Samuel type role in the offense. If they're going to use either of them that way, or if they're both going to get that kind of work, if they both get that kind of work, I feel like it's going to be too split up for them. Any one of them to shine over the other, but I think Jalen Waddell could thrive in a Debo Samuel type role. I don't know if that's how they're going to implement it. And I wouldn't draft with that thought in mind. I'm just throwing it out there. (laughs) But um, I think that it'll be interesting to see how they're used. Because if that does become the case, where Jalen Waddell's getting a few carries a game on top of the receiving work that he's going to have, I think that he can be, he might end up outscoring Tyreek Hill, you know, this season coming up.
1: It's definitely not out of the realm of possibility, right? I mean, it's possible that you know Tyreek Hill is more used, like you know, around the line of scrimmage. You know, how much of those deep targets is he going to actually end up converting on? You know, for touchdowns, that sort of thing. So, th- th- I think, I think it's very possible that these two end up very close in terms of fantasy points. And yes, Jalen Waddle can outscore Tyreek Hill.
0: It is possible, you know. So yeah, absolutely. All right, that's
1: awesome. Um, were there were there any more questions, or was that it?
0: Not that we picked out from this crop. No, that's, those are the questions that we had. All right. Awesome. Well, guys, I appreciate
1: you, you, you sending in those questions. Uh, We're going to probably do a mailbag like every so often, maybe every other week. Um, You know, whenever we think that there's a lot of questions coming in, uh, we're going to drop one of these mailbag episodes. So we really appreciate you guys sending in those questions. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, Two episodes in a row, baby. Two episodes, episodes in a row. Let's go. (laughs) <laughs> yes, sir. we're able to kind of keep it uh try to keep it consistent here uh hopefully for, for the rest of the off season so um yeah so, so zach appreciate you hopping on dude um and i uh, appreciate everyone listening hopefully you guys can take the time it takes only a minute to go ahead and review the podcast that would mean the world to us that'd be awesome whether it's on apple Podcasts, whether it's on spotify uh that would really help us out so uh for, for zach for us i'll see you
0: guys soon take it easy peace